This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of pediatric hip septic arthritis from the pediatric section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Pediatric septic hip arthritis is an intraarticular infection in children that peaks in the first few years of life. While diagnosis may be suspected by a combination of history, physical exam, imaging, and laboratory studies, confirmation requires a hip aspiration. Hip septic arthritis is considered a surgical emergency and requires prompt recognition and urgent surgical IND followed by IV antibiotics. Now, let's get into the episode. With respect to epidemiology, the incidence of pediatric hip septic arthritis is rare, and it affects 4 to 5 per 100,000 children annually. In terms of demographics, it peaks in the first few years of life, 50% of cases occur in children younger than 2 years of age, and males are more affected than females in a 2 to 1 ratio. In terms of location, the hip joint is involved in 35% of all cases of septic arthritis. The knee joint is involved in 35% of all cases of septic arthritis. Risk factors include prematurity, as this is a relatively immunocompromised state, cesarean section, patients treated in the neonatal ICU, and finally know that invasive procedures such as umbilical catheterization, venous catheterization, and heel puncture may lead to transient bacteremia. Moving on to etiology, the mechanism of pediatric hip septic arthritis can be from direct inoculation, from trauma or surgery, secondary to skin penetration, hematogenous seating, for example, upper respiratory infection precedes about 80% of the cases, and extension from adjacent bone, which can develop from contiguous spread of osteomyelitis. This is often from the metaphysis, which is common in neonates who have transficeal vessels that allow spread into the joint. Know that the joints with an intraarticular metaphysis include the hip, shoulder, elbow, ankle, and not the knee. The pathophysiology of pediatric hip septic arthritis can be secondary to enzymatic destruction and or increased joint pressure. In terms of enzymatic destruction, release of proteolytic enzymes like matrix metalloproteinases from inflammatory and synovial cells, cartilage, and bacteria may cause articular surface damage within 8 hours. Increased joint pressure may cause femoral head osteonecrosis if not relieved promptly. In terms of microbiology, in up to 55% of cases, no organism is identified and know that organisms vary with age. So now let's talk about microbiology by organism. Starting with group B streptococcus, this is the most common in neonates with community-acquired infection, and they are exposed to this during a transvaginal delivery. Staph aureus is the most common in children over two years of age. This is characterized as gram-positive coccyon clusters, and is the most common in nosocomial infections of neonates. Neisseria gonorrhea is still the most common organism in adolescents. This is characterized as a gram-negative diplococci, and know that there will be a negative gram stain a majority of the time. Patients usually have a preceding migratory polyarthralgia, multiple joint involvement, and small red papules. You may treat these patients with large doses of penicillin alone, and it usually does not require surgical debridement. Group A beta-hemolytic streptococcus is the most common organism following varicella infection. Finally, know the HACEC organisms, or H-A-C-E-K, which stands for homophilus, Actinobacillus, Cardiobacterium, Iconella, and Kingella. These are fastidious organisms and know that the incidence of septic arthritis caused by Haemophilus influenzae has markedly decreased since the advent of its vaccine. Kingella has been noted to be the most common organism in children less than 4 years in some studies and know that this is best isolated on blood culture media. Now let's talk about the presentation of pediatric hip septic arthritis. 
the history involves recent local trauma or infections, and know that a vaccination history must be obtained, particularly with regard to vaccination against haemophilus influenza. Know that recent or current antibiotics may mask the symptoms. Symptoms of pediatric hypseptic arthritis include acute onset of pain, and know that this presents more acutely than osteomyelitis. Other symptoms include systemic symptoms, which are often associated with fever and other systemic symptoms causing a toxic appearance. These patients may also have a limp or a refusal to bear weight. On physical exam, in terms of vitals, temperature and vital signs should be taken to rule out hemodynamic instability. These patients may show signs of toxicity. Inspection and palpation may reveal localized swelling, effusion, tenderness, and warmth, and the hip rests in a position of flexion, abduction, and external rotation, otherwise known as the Faber position. Know that hip capsular volume is maximized with flexion, abduction, and external rotation, and is therefore the position of comfort for hip septic arthritis. As far as range of motion assessment, patients will have severe pain with passive motion. They may also have severe pain with log rolling of the hip, and they will have an unwillingness to move the joint, otherwise known as pseudoparalysis. Be sure to examine the adjacent joints in the spine, as you must rule out adjacent joint involvement. Moving on to imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP and frog leg lateral pelvic x-rays if the hips can be put in the frog leg position. Findings may be normal, especially in early stages of the disease. However, you may find widening of the joint space. Know that in infants, prior to ossification of the femoral head, widening of the joint space can be seen by lateral displacement of the proximal femur. This is a sign of significant pus in the joint. Other findings may include subluxation, dislocation, and bone lesions in which you may see bone involvement with associated osteomyelitis. Moving on to ultrasound, as far as indications, in neonates, be sure to ultrasound both hips if any septic joint is found. Signs and symptoms of infection are muted in neonates, and a missed infection can be catastrophic. Ultrasound can also be used to guide aspiration. As far as findings, ultrasound may be helpful to identify an infusion, and know that you cannot differentiate between a septic and a sterile effusion. An MRI may be difficult to obtain expeditiously. However, it identifies a joint effusion and possible adjacent osseous involvement, which can guide operative treatment. In terms of other studies to obtain in the workup of pediatric hip septic arthritis, as far as serum labs, be sure to obtain a white blood cell count, ESR, and CRP. White blood cell count is elevated in 30 to 60% of patients with a left shift in 60% of patients. Know that neonates may have leukopenia. ESR is often elevated, but may be normal early in the course of infection. Finally, CRP may rise as soon as 6 to 8 hours after injury or infection. A CRP of greater than 2 mg per deciliter is an independent risk factor, which were not included in the studies of the previous four COCA criteria. A CRP of greater than 2 mg per deciliter in combination with the refusal to bear weight yields a 74% probability of septic arthritis. As far as the order of sensitivity of this criteria, Know that fever is the most sensitive, then CRP, then ESR, then refusal to bear weight, and then finally, white blood cell count. Moving on to hip aspiration, this may confirm a diagnosis of septic arthritis. Fluid samples should be sent for white blood cell count with differential, gram stain, culture, and sensitivities, and know that glucose and protein levels have been recommended by some, but are of questionable value. A septic joint aspirate will show a high white blood cell count, which is defined as greater than 50,000 per cubic millimeter with greater than 75% PMNs. PMN percentage is more sensitive than the total white blood cell count. 85% PMNs correlates with an 88% sensitivity. A septic joint aspirate will also show a glucose of 50 mg per deciliter less than serum levels. 
Finally, a septic joint aspirate will show a high lactic acid level with infections due to gram-positive cocci or gram-negative rot. Blood cultures should be performed if the patient is febrile, as they are often positive even when local cultures are negative. Finally, a lumbar puncture should be considered in a septic joint caused by haemophilus influenzae due to the risk of meningitis if there are clinical signs of meningitis. Moving on to the differential diagnosis for pediatric hip septic arthritis, the key differential is transient synovitis, osteomyelitis, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and juvenile idiopathic arthritis. An additional differential includes Lyme disease, Skiffy, leg calve perthes disease, and multiple epiphyseal dysplasia. Be sure to review the table of the differential diagnosis of hip pain in children on orthobullets.com. Moving on to the diagnosis, note that the diagnosis of pediatric hip septic arthritis is made by a combination of history, physical exam, imaging, and laboratory studies. While the COCA criteria is commonly used, no one algorithm is diagnostic alone. The original COCA criteria had four criteria, a white blood cell count of greater than 12,000 cells per microliter of the serum, inability to bear weight, fever of greater than 101.3 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.5 degrees Celsius, and an ESR of greater than 40 millimeters per hour. In terms of the algorithm, the probability of septic arthritis may be as high as 99.6% when all four criteria that we just mentioned are present. If none of the criteria are present, probability of having septic arthritis is less than 0.2%. Note that there is a 3% incidence of septic arthritis if one out of the four criteria is present, 40% incidence if two out of the four criteria are present, and 93% incidence if three out of the four criteria are present. The modified COCO criteria has the additional criteria of adding the CRP. Moving on to the treatment of pediatric hip septic arthritis, this can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes antibiotics alone, which is rarely indicated, but one indication could be an adolescent Neisseria gonorrhea infection, as some cases can be treated with large doses of penicillin alone and usually does not require surgical debridement. Operative intervention is typically indicated in these patients in the form of an urgent surgical IND followed by IV antibiotics. As far as indications, this is the standard of care for septic hip joints. Know that if a diagnosis of septic arthritis is possible, it is better to err on the side of surgical drainage. Again, remember that pediatric hip septic arthritis is considered a surgical emergency in the hip due to the chondrolytic effect of pus. Urgent surgical IND removes the damaging enzymes which are chondrolytic. This reduces intraarticular pressure and decreases epiphyseal ischemia. Now, let's talk about septic hip irrigation and debridement in a bit more detail. As far as the approach, most commonly one of the following approaches is utilized. The anterior approach through the Smith-Peterson interval, and know the drainage of the shoulder, elbow, knee, and ankle may be open or arthroscopic. As far as the technique, an arthrotomy is performed to remove all purulent fluid and to irrigate the joint. Consider removal of 1 cm by 1 cm of hip capsule to minimize chances of reaccumulation. Consider synovial culture, and know that intraarticular drain placement is recommended. Moving on to antibiotics, as far as timing, be sure to perform joint aspiration, preferably before administration of empiric antibiotics. Empiric IV antibiotics are started after the samples are sent for culture. Once cultures return, follow with IV antibiotics targeting pathogens. Next, convert to PO antibiotics once the clinical picture improves and definitive sensitivities are obtained. Current recommendation is a 2-7 to seven day course of culture-specific IV antibiotics followed by a 2-3 to three week course of oral antibiotics. Terminate antibiotics once the CRP or ESR normalizes and the clinical picture returns to normal. Moving on to microbial coverage, this is based on age and medical comorbidities. 
Remember that immunization status determines whether empiric antibiotics should cover Haemophilus influenzae. Now let's go over septic arthritis antibiotic treatment in a bit more detail. So in the setting of a patient aged less than three months, the organism can be group B streptococci, staph aureus, and gram-negative bacilli. Antibiotics should therefore be first-generation cephalosporins. In a patient aged three months to five years, potential organisms can include staph aureus, Kingella, streptococcus pneumoniae, group A streptococci, and Haemophilus influenzae. Therefore, antibiotics can include second or third generation cephalosporins. Remember that Kingella has been shown to be resistant to vancomycin and clindamycin. In patients 5 to 12 years old, the organism is typically Staphylococcus aureus. Antibiotics are therefore first generation cephalosporins. Finally, in patients 12 to 18 years old, the organism can be Neisseria gonorrhea or Staphylococcus aureus. Antibiotics are typically second or third generation cephalosporins. As far as post-operative care, range of motion exercises of the affected joint may be started within the first few days after surgery. Now let's go over some complications of pediatric hip septic arthritis, and the ones to know include femoral head destruction, femoral neck deformity, joint contracture, growth disturbance, limb length discrepancy, and osteonecrosis. In terms of femoral head destruction, complete destruction of the femoral head and neck is easily visible on x-ray. Treatment includes salvage operations that exist including varus slash valgus proximal femoral osteotomies. Moving on to a femoral neck deformity, physeal damage leads to late angular deformity and leg length discrepancy. In the setting of growth disturbance, patients should be followed up for one to two years to monitor for physeal arrest. Now let's end this review session talking about prognosis. As a quick overview, the prognosis of pediatric hip septic arthritis is usually good unless diagnosis is delayed. Delay in diagnosis may result in permanent joint damage and long-term disability. Poor prognostic indicators include age less than 6 months, associated osteomyelitis, delay of greater than 4 days until presentation, and a hip joint versus a knee. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. An 8-year-old boy presents with 24 hours of worsening right hip pain. There is no history of trauma or prior hip pain. He had a fever to 39.4 degrees Celsius and is unwilling to bear weight. CRP is 12.4 milligrams per deciliter, with normal being less than 2. ESR is 52 millimeters per hour, with normal being less than 20. And a white blood cell count is 13.1, with normal being less than 10. Which of the following is true regarding the most common causative organism of this condition? And the choices are 1. Gram stain will reveal gram-negative cocci in pairs. 2. The organism is best isolated in blood culture. 3. The organism is transmitted by tick bite. 4. Gram stain will reveal gram-negative rods. And 5. The organism is catalase and coagulase positive. The correct answer to this question is 5. The causative organism is catalase and coagulase positive. So the patient is presenting with symptoms and laboratory data consistent with septic arthritis of the hip. When evaluating the criteria established by Coker et al., four out of a possible four are positive, in addition to an elevated CRP. The probability of septic arthritis is more than 99% in this population. Staphylococcus aureus, which is catalase and coagulase positive, is the most common infectious agent in patients over the age of two. Organisms implicated in pediatric septic arthritis can vary by age and medical comorbidities. Before the advent of vaccination, H-flu was the most common causative organism in patients aged 2 to 5. Neonates are at risk of infection with group B streptococcus and E. coli. 
More recently, Kingella species, a member of the HACEC or H-A-C-E-K group of organisms, has increased in incidence in the United States. In adolescence, the most common organism is Neisseria gonorrhea. Treatment of non-gonococcal septic arthritis is surgical drainage followed by intravenous antibiotics. In gonococcal arthritis, high-dose penicillin with initial joint aspiration for synovial fluid sample collection at presentation can be the definitive treatment. However, in cases of persistent effusion, the affected joint may require drainage. Young et al. in 2011 retrospectively reviewed cases of septic arthritis in a tertiary care center in patients who were under the age of 13. They found that the hip was the most commonly involved joint. The most common pathogen was MSSA or methicillin-sensitive Staph aureus, followed closely by community-acquired MRSA or methicillin-resistant Staph aureus. Two of the 13 cases were secondary to Streptococcus species. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, gram stain will reveal gram-negative cocci in pairs is incorrect as Neisseria gonorrhea infection typically appears as gram-negative diplococci on gram stain. Answer 2, the organism is best isolated in blood culture is incorrect as Kingella species is best isolated on blood culture. Answer 3, the organism is transmitted by tick bite is incorrect as Borrelia burgdorferi is the causative agent of Lyme disease and is usually tick-borne. Lyme arthritis does not require surgical drainage. And finally, answer four, gram stain will reveal gram-negative rods is incorrect, as E. coli infection typically appears as gram-negative rods on gram stain. And moving on to the final question, an eight-day-old infant is admitted to the hospital for septic arthritis of the hip. He went home on day two after an uneventful vaginal birth. Which of the following will most likely be the causative organism by culture? And the choices are one, group B streptococcus, 2. Staph aureus, 3. Staph epidermidis, 4. Haemophilus influenzae, and 5. Neisseria gonorrhea. The correct answer to this question is 1. Group B streptococcus. So group B streptococcus is the most common causative organism of neonatal septic arthritis. It should be noted in the subgroup of neonates who acquire nosocomial septic arthritis, staph aureus is more common than group B strep. These infections often arise from invasive procedures such as central lines and indwelling catheters. Children in the first two years of life have the highest frequency of septic arthritis. In children three months of age to two years, H. influenzae was traditionally the most common organism, but its prevalence has fallen significantly since the introduction of H. flu vaccinations. In children over two years of age, Staph aureus is the most common causative organism. In an instructional course lecture, McCarthy et al. summarized the pathogenesis, evaluation, treatment, and prognosis of musculoskeletal infections in children. They emphasized long-term follow-up as a musculoskeletal infection in a growing child may have further impact as the child ages. That's all for this review about pediatric hip septic arthritis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast. <laughs>